We're about to administer the sacrament of baptism. And I would like to take this opportunity to address the subject of infant baptism. And as I do so, I do not wish to be in any sense contentious, but I do wish to inform. We have a requirement in the Bible to give a reason for the hope that is in us. And what we do here, we firmly believe is biblical, and we want to give a, a biblical reason for what we undertake here. Genesis chapter 17, verse 7, we read earlier, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. Now, there were two sacraments in the Old Testament. They were circumcision and the Passover. There are two sacraments in the New Testament. They are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism has replaced circumcision. I don't think there's any doubt about that. There may be debates about other issues, but I think we all agree that baptism has replaced circumcision. Now, some would say to us, because we uh, baptize infants, they would say to us, there are no instances of infants being baptized in the Bible. And we have to acknowledge, we agree. We cannot go to the Scripture, we cannot go to a particular text that definitely tells us that infants were baptized. But on the other hand, there is nothing in the Bible to say that infants of believers should not be baptized. And something for you to think on. There is nothing in the Bible to say that women should sit at the Lord's table. You won't find a text to support that. But all of us believe that should happen. Why do we then baptize infants? Well, we need to consider circumcision. If baptism has replaced circumcision, then surely the reason for circumcision should be found in baptism. Abraham was circumcised when he was 99 years old. His son Ishmael was 13. And all the men of his household were circumcised. Why were they circumcised? They were circumcised because of Abraham's faith. And he was the head of the household. And all the men in his household were circumcised on the self-same day that Abraham himself was circumcised. 
because they were all under his headship and lordship. They weren't all believers. Ishmael proved not to be a believer, and many others probably were not believers, but they were circumcised because they were under the care and the headship of Abraham. Therefore, you cannot deny, it's impossible to deny, that infants and children were part of the covenant community in the Old Testament. No one can possibly deny that. Now, here's a question. Should infants be excluded now in the gospel era? Think on it. If infants, because normally people were circumcised on their eighth day, it was an infant that was circumcised. Now, if infants were included in the Old Testament covenant, in the Old Testament covenant community, is it not reasonable to expect that infants should be included in the New Testament covenant? Is it not true that the Old Testament church was primarily for the Jews? Not exclusively, but primarily. There were some Gentiles that were saved, but the Old Testament church was mainly made up of Jews. That's not the case for the New Testament church. It's open to all. Should, therefore, infants be excluded? We would say resoundingly, no, definitely not. What about baptism in the New Testament era? The Bible records for us three household baptisms. We have the Philippian jailer. He was converted around midnight. He was baptized around midnight. He and his household. So was Lydia. Both of them were founder members of the Philippian church. Lydia was baptized and so was her household. These two, the Philippian jailer and Lydia, they were the heads of their household. They had come to faith and the others in their household were baptized because of the faith of these persons. And Stephanus, we find that in 1 Corinthians. He was baptized, and so was his household. If we are not to baptize our children, or our infant children, what are we to do with them? That's a question. What are we to do with them? We acknowledge. We acknowledge that the position held by our Baptist brethren is easier to articulate and it's easier maybe to understand. But with respect, we would say that our position that we take embraces the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's a very strong argument. Because the covenant of grace that was revealed to Abraham 
is the same covenant of grace today. There may be differences in how it's administered, but it's the same covenant. Abraham looked forward to that day when the Messiah would come, when he would suffer and die. And Christians today look back at what Christ did on Calvary's tree. The Old Testament saints look forward. The New Testament saints look back. And they're all part of that same wonderful, glorious covenant of grace. Well, briefly then, what is baptism? First of all, it's not a naming ceremony. That might be said about circumcision, because if you look at the, the biblical records of John the Baptist, his circumcision and the circumcision of Christ, there's certainly a naming element in these uh, events. But that's not the same for baptism. We're not naming the child. The child already has a name. And more than that, this is not a converting ordinance. When the child is baptized, he is not converted. He must experience the new birth. He must be converted. He must repent and believe the gospel in order to be saved. What are we doing here then? We are simply recognizing that he is part of the covenant community. We are not bringing him in to the covenant community. He is already in the covenant community because of the, his parents. We could think about it when you consider what happened recently when our late queen died. The moment that she died, her son, Prince Charles, became the king. But it was months afterwards before the coronation. But the moment she died, he was king. The moment this little boy was born, he was part of the covenant community. And we are simply recognizing that this morning. Well, shortly then, the parents will take some solemn vows, but the congregation also will take vows. They will not, they will take these vows upon themselves, albeit these vows will be tacit and unspoken. Because we have a responsibility when we undertake this, because we are ones who seek to pray and to look after and to remember the family and the child that is to be baptized. And of course, the child also, as we've said previously, the child will be expected to fulfill the baptismal views, uh, vows taken by his parents. Let us pray. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, we indeed thank Thee and bless Thee for this, this privilege and for this ordinance. And we do ask that Thou would be with the parents and the child at this time in the family. And as they're about to take solemn vows, we pray that they might know Thy grace and Thy strength and Thy enabling. And, O oh Lord, we do pray that Thou might 
signify and seal the blessings to the young child and to others who have been baptized. And we pray that the Lord indeed would fulfill his promise to be a God unto us and unto our children. So be with us, we ask, and do not leave us, do not forsake us, and may all things be done orderly and decently. And do forgive and overlook our sins, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I would like to ask if the parents would now come forward up into the platform here, and we shall present vows before them. Would the congregation please stand while they take these vows? Do you believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as revealed in the Old and New Testament? I do. Do you profess faith in God the Father as your Heavenly Father, in Jesus Christ as your own personal Saviour and Lord, and in the Holy Spirit as your Sanctifier? Do you promise to make a diligent use of the means of grace and by God's grace to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? We shall now come to the baptism. Asher Kenneth Mackay, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. Take your seats. Let us pray. <clears throat> o Lord, again we bless Thee for what we have sought to do. We do it because we believe that we are being obedient to what Thou hast revealed to us in Thy Word. And O Lord, we again commend the parents and the family, and we bless Thee for them. And we pray that they might know Thy blessing in these days, and that thou might enable them, O God, to train up the child according to thy ways, and that they might have confidence in thy promise, and that they might delight in the great God of heaven, who has made this promise, that he shall be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. We do pray that thou remember the congregation, and, O Lord, that we might rejoice at this. And we do pray that we would look seriously upon what we have undertaken here, and that we would make this family uh, ones whom we pray for continually, day after day, that they might know grace, that they might know strength, that they might know energy, and that they might know thine own blessing as they seek to bring up their family in this crooked and corrupt 
generation. We remember others here who have been baptized and who have yet to make a profession of faith and to close in with Christ as he has freely offered to them in the gospel. O Lord, as they come to the age of discretion, Lord, we pray that they would begin to seek the Lord while he may be found, that they might remember their Creator in the days of their youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when they shall say, I have no pleasure in them. Hear therefore our prayers, we ask. Pardon all our sins, for the Redeemer's sake. Amen.